0: A swing a
1: Deep left. Way back. Hey everybody! Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We've got another great show for you today. We're breaking down the Royals system, and to do that, we are joined by Bill Mitchell. Bill has done the Royals' top ten prospects write-ups for us at Baseball America for a couple years now. Knows this organization top to bottom. Bill, 2020 was a year of a lot of change for the Royals. It was their first year under the ownership of John Sherman. Mike Matheny took over for the retired Ned Yost. It was Matheny's first year as manager. And at the end of the year, we saw Alex Gordon, longtime Royal, call it a day, end to his long and successful career. It's sort of a new era for the Royals now as we move into the 2020s. When you look at this organization top to bottom, where they are in the majors, what they have coming up in the minors, How would you assess the state of the organization, particularly given this was their fourth straight losing season, and even in a shortened season, they were never really competitive?
0: What you've got to look at with the Royals is their player development and the successes they've had, but that's because of the commitment that ownership and the front office has made to player development. I know they were one that did not want to really see the minor leagues contracted uh, they like to sign very raw, pure athletes, players that are that take more time to develop, and that's going to be harder when you've only got five affiliates and only one short season affiliate. But uh, what is most impressive about the Royals in the last few years is their pitching development, and they've really focused on pitching, and they've had a lot of successes. They've they've drafted a lot of pitchers. The top of their list, other than Bobby Witt Jr. at the top a lot of their top prospects are pitchers uh, and especially hitting the college circuit.
1: Yeah. We saw Brady Singer come up, make his major league debut really finish strong. And it was really impressive to see him make the adjustments he did as the year went on, jumping straight from double a to the opening day rotation. Chris Bubich made the jump from a ball straight to the majors and all things considered kept afloat pretty well, you know, four, three, two ERA and 10 starts when you've never pitched above a balls, a pretty good debut in the major leagues. This is still an offense that did not get on base very well at all outside of Whit Merrifield. This was not a team with a ton of offensive threat. Salvador Perez was really, really good in his return, albeit limited to only 37 games due to injury. Hunter Dozier, the on-base was fine. The slugging really took a nosedive. So they really need some help on the position player side. But you're right. You look at Singer, you look at Bubich. Brad Keller has been one of the best Rule 5 picks in recent memory even with Jake Junis falling off, Danny Duffy getting older. It seems like there's enough arms here, especially with Josh Stalmont really, really stepping up in the bullpen. Now they've just got to find some bats.
0: It was a rough year for some of their better hitting prospects in 2019, especially the group, the young group that went to Wilmington. Uh, They made a lot of changes after that, brought in some new hitting coordinators, to those of us outside the organization, we haven't been able to see the changes and see the improvements those hitters have made. We can only go with, uh, with information we're getting from the Royals, but from uh, what I've been, the information we both you and I have gotten from talking to multiple people that Nick Prado made some tremendous strides during this, both going back to last fall and into the summer. Uh, you've got MJ Melendez has made some changes in his approach. Also, um, Suli Matias, uh, 2019, he, was, he played most of the season until he got shut down with a broken hand. Uh, he's still a long, you know, a project that's going to take some time, but uh, he's got power that you can't, uh, you can't teach. So 2021 is going to be interesting following their farm system to see really what advancements these hitters make and how that's going to, uh, how that's going to play out in the future. Yeah, and there's going to be a
1: couple of younger players who always blossom later, and there's always a chance that someone we're not talking about really steps up. But diving into this farm system, Bobby Witt Jr., number one ranked prospect. You mentioned most of the top of this system is on the pitching side. However, Bobby Witt, shortstop, Really, really impressed this year at the alternate training site. Made a lot of strides after a so-so debut in the rookie-level Arizona League last year, although he got better as the year went on. How did Bobby Witt Jr. develop this year? And ultimately, was there any debate for him at number one in your discussions with both Royals officials and scouts who work for opposing clubs?
0: No, none at all. Uh, he, um, He really progressed and showed his maturity during the camp Uh, obviously at 19 years old i believe at the time and only a one season of rookie ball uh, he was by far one of the least experienced players there but keep in mind this is a a kid who grew up around the game his dad was a a 18 year major league veteran and he's been around and he, he was not out of place at all from all the reports that i got he really stood out and really took a big jump forward just maturity His approach to the game, his feel for the game, uh, his athleticism, ability to play a lot of positions—they moved him around the infield some, and he even took some fly balls during batting practice. And the other word is that you could probably put him in center field and he'd do a good job. But overall, from all the reports, are that it was a good season for Bobby Witt.
1: Yeah, this is someone that I think a lot of people are counting on, at least within the Royals organization, to be that. You know, you don't want to put this on a, on a teenager. There's still a long way to go, although he is 20 now. But just that guy that, whether it's it's a perennial all-star or even just someone that you know you can roll out there every day and you know you're going to get well above average performance day in and day out, again, has yet to play full-season ball, very, very, very young kid still with a lot of development left. But just talking to officials within the Royals organization, and also some opposing evaluators. It is interesting the level of confidence they seem to have that Bobby Witt Jr. will be able to be an impact player in the major leagues.
0: Yeah, and he would have, uh, had there been a 2020 season, uh, I think he would have gone to high A and spent the majority of the season at high A and maybe gotten to double A by the end of the year. But with what he was able to do in the alternate site and then in the fall instructional league at, at Coffman Stadium he was facing pitchers like Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich and uh, before he left uh, and even some of the big leaguers that would come down to work out Uh, so basically he had more than a high A season when you think about the pitching that he faced and will he go to double A to start the next season it wouldn't surprise me. Moving into the pitching tier again, this is
1: where the Royals really, really, really have an impressive group of prospects. You put Daniel Lynch at number two. Again, a lot of discussions with evaluators inside the organization, evaluators outside the organization. Now, Asa Lacey was someone a lot of people felt was the top pitcher in the 2020 draft. Max Meyer went ahead of him at third overall. Again, Lacey Very, very highly regarded, regardless of the fact he wasn't the number one pitcher taken in the draft. Take us through this debate and ultimately what led to Lynch being number two ahead of Lacey.
0: My first uh, rough list, I actually had Lacey uh, ahead of Lynch. And then in talking to several people in the organization, scouts from outside the organization who had seen Lacey and had reports from him in college, plus had seen Lynch when he was really good last year in the fall league. And we we debated it quite a bit, but uh, at the end of the day, it was where Lynch is now and the advancements he made, not just last year uh, in the fall league, but then uh, he improved his changeup significantly this past summer. He worked on a lot of other little things. His velocity stayed up into the high 90s. And most importantly, he stayed healthy and made every start during the summer. So I had a lot of questions on that when I did the uh, chat after the list went online. And I said, really, you could call them two A and two B instead of two and three. They're so close and it'll be nice fun for Royals fans and the organization and baseball fans in general, seeing how that plays out in the next couple of years. Realistically, what kind of pitchers are we looking
1: at with this group of really, really talented starting pitchers? Again, Singer came up this year, I think a lot of people expect him to be a mid-rotation type, which again is very, very valuable and should not be poo-pooed in any way. When you look at Lynch, you look at Lacey, you look at Jackson Kowar, and Bubic is still technically prospect eligible for us at Baseball America. How do these guys all shake out in terms of their future role in the Royals rotation?
0: Well, I see Lynch and Lacey probably the two at the top of the rotation in, in two, three years, uh, Kowar, uh, Jackson Kowar, significantly improved his changeup, excuse me, his curveball. That was, he was more of a fastball changeup pitcher, even going back to his college days. Uh, he showed a lot of advancement to, uh, in the curveball, bringing it from a slightly below average pitch to a tick above average. Uh, that's going to be a, you know, that's, that's a, a big move for him uh cuz that gives him another weapon and it'll keep the hitters from sitting on the fastball and changeup combination. Uh, I think he's a mid rotation guy. Uh Bubic is mid rotation to back of the rotation. Uh it's it's going to be a question of how you're going to fit everybody into the rotation. It's a nice again, a nice problem to have. Yeah, most certainly. It feels like this
1: top group again, these top 4 have been top 100 prospects for us. Witt, Lynch, Lacey, Coar, Bubich again, came up and showed he can really, really hold zone at the major league level. Then you move into the next tier, and it's an interesting group of players who are either really far away or project to be maybe solid but not spectacular, Kyle Isbells and Nick Loftons. Take us through this bottom half of the 10 and
0: ultimately how it shook out the way it did. Well, Kyle Isbell is one that I think is going to surprise people, uh, He's, he's still learning because he was a second baseman for part of his college career. He's still learning to play the outfield, but he's got plus speed. Uh, his bat really came along uh, starting, you know, after an injury-plagued season in 2019. The bat really came along in the fall league, 2019, and he had a good year, showing more power during the summer. Uh to me, I've I've got him ranked as the center fielder of their future. Uh, Eric Pena is still very young. He has yet to play an official game. Uh, he spent uh, the fall first in Kansas City with the that instructional group and then came to Arizona to finish that. Um, you know, really, he's one of these kids that the sky's the limit, but he's he has yet to play an official game. Uh, 18 years old now. Maybe he's turned 19 by now. Um, no, I think he's still 18. Uh, he would have been one of the stars, I think, of the Arizona League this past year. Uh, Where he goes next year is a good question, but he's still at least three, four years away, Uh, probably maybe even four or five years away. Uh, Nick Lofton, his interesting case, shortstop out of Baylor, was taken with the compensation round pick, and I talked to a scout who saw him late in his college career, right before the shutdown, And he compared him to Kevin Newman from the Pirates, but with more power. Uh, Just one of these guys, it's um, one of these players that his tools all grade out right around average, but that he's going to play above his tools and everything's going to play up because of his feel for the game, his grinder mentality. So where he winds up playing, he's very athletic. He could play around the infield. He could play outfield. Uh, one of my sources in the Royals organization said he could be another Whit Merrifield. Not that he's going to be that kind of hitter, but that kind of player who can play him at second base. You could play him at third base. You could play him in center field. Uh, So I think that's what they're going to get from Nick Lofton. Yeah. I'm going to hold off on any Whit Merrifield comms for my money. That's
1: probably the single most underappreciated player in major league baseball. This is a bona fide standout and does not get recognized as such. Um, But nonetheless, again, it's an interesting group where you're right. You have a guy like Pena who you can dream on, guys like Isabel and Lofton who a lot of people like, and there's still room to grow there. So there is some depth to this system. It's not just, you know, top five, top four five, and a huge drop-off. The 9-10 group, Khalil Lee and Jonathan Bolin, uh, both players who do some good things. Both players, you can find people who will say one won't be more than a fourth outfielder, and the other still has a long, long way to go to, maybe be a back of the rotation starter. So there is a little bit of a drop off here. How many other guys were in the discussion for this number nine and 10 range?
0: Well, Nick Prado is one that uh, we want to see that he can actually do it against other competition. But if he has made the strides that we've heard about uh, at the alternate site and in their fall camp, and even again, even going back to last fall uh, instructional league, then yeah. Nick Prada was one under consideration. Uh, we had uh, Austin Cox in the top 10 last year. He's still an interesting left-handed pitcher. He got some consideration. One player that wasn't considered this uh, this year that I want to talk about that may be there next year, and you're going to like this because it's a former Sun Devil, is Alec Marsh made a big jump forward this summer. Uh, his velocity ticked up several Uh, miles per hour he was touching 99 during the summer and even as important he got more separation between his two breaking balls so they're now very separate pitches curveball and slider Uh, everything I hear Alec Marsh should be a top 10 guy by next year
1: yeah Marsh is interesting I remember watching him a good bit just um, you know there were some matchups I remember one him versus Ryan Garcia who was at UCLA and at the time Ryan Garcia was considered the better draft prospect and Garcia did go higher in the draft. I just remember watching that matchup and I swear this wasn't my Sun Devil bias. I'm like, give me Marsh. Like that was the guy to me that just looked more like a a big league starter to me. And it's interesting now seeing, okay, there's more coming. I, I do feel like he's a nice potential breakout, if you will, for the 2021 minor league season.
0: Yeah, I, you can definitely see that. And I was at that game uh, when he went up against Ryan Garcia, and I know Garcia really helped his draft stock that night. Uh, now we're getting into another organization. But uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where he's on. You know, Marsh, other than pitching in the Pac-12 for three uh, three years, he hasn't pitched above short season ball yet. So it'll be interesting to see how he does next year. And if he holds that velocity increase and he can command his breaking pitches. Right now, uh, some scouts see him as more of a control over command uh, type of pitcher. So if he can command his pitches uh, better as he progresses, uh, there's, you've got another mid-rotation starter possibly, another one in that mix.
1: Bill, who are some other sleepers? Because I think one interesting aspect of the Royals is they have made some aggressive signings in the international market. And it does feel like they have a couple of guys down the lower levels who, you know, again, we've talked about this is a very pitching heavy system, but all it takes is one or two low level position players to pop. And all of a sudden, your position player strength can look pretty good. Is there anyone there who you think has
0: a chance to really pop? One of the players later further down their list, uh, was in Arizona league last year is Daryl Collins. Uh, they signed him out of the Netherlands, uh, very athletic, strong body, uh, probably is going to be limited to left field. Uh, he's got, he's a plus runner right now, but he doesn't have the actions to play uh, center field necessarily. And he doesn't have the arm for right field, but, uh, scouts believe that he's going to hit. He's been a favorite of theirs to watch. Uh, Again, he hasn't been past rookie ball yet. And, you know, he's played in some world tournaments uh, with uh, the, uh, the Netherlands team. But um, he's still pretty raw. But uh, he's actually a little advanced for, you know, for that level of experience. Uh, another guy who stood out during instructional league just because of the uh, velocity was a pitcher by the name of Samuel Valerio. was in the Dominican Summer League in 2019. Uh, didn't get to do much during the summer until he came to Arizona for instructional League. But uh, right away I heard scouts talking about him because some scouts had him up to 102 with his fastball. And we always get that kind of attention when, you, when a young kids that nobody's heard about is throwing that hard. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. And again, as you mentioned, this
1: is a royal system with a lot of very young kids. Uh, The last year of development certainly hurt all minor leaguers, but especially organizations where there's a significant talent base in class A or below. Just in your discussions with club officials, how did they respond to this? And one thing I thought was interesting was in addition to an instructional league team in Arizona, they also formed their own kind of fall instructional league camp at Kauffman
0: Stadium in Kansas City actually they had two teams in Arizona so overall there were three instructional league teams which again that goes to back what I talked back to what I talked about earlier how their commitment to player development uh, is is important but um, it was uh it was interesting watching them I know I talked to scouts that covered them of course uh During uh, this time, and they got to see a lot more of the system than they did in other organizations. And it is really a deep organization. I, I had 60 names in my list that I thought were consideration for the top 30. And you don't get that very often with organizations to have it go that deep.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this organization
0: takes a jump in year two.
1: Again, a lot of their future success is tied to their current minor league system. Four straight losing seasons. Again, in an abbreviated year where we saw teams like the Orioles and Tigers stay competitive even for just a month, the Royals weren't really able to do that. And again, I think you look at this, you can very easily map out what a really good starting rotation could look like. It's hard to map out right now given who they have in their system what a playoff caliber lineup would look like, but they're going to have another high pick in 2021. Bobby Witt's a very, very good starting point. And as we mentioned, all it takes is a couple of these guys to pop and things can look very different in another year.
0: Bill, any final thoughts here on the Royals? One of the things, other things I want to bring up, uh, and again, it reflects this organization is after the five round draft, there were a lot of players out there could be signed that that likely would have been drafted. The Orioles, excuse me, the Royals were one of the more aggressive teams uh, signing players right away. As soon as the draft was over, Uh, we got to see some of those players uh, that were interesting prospects uh, during Instructional League. The one that stood out for me was John McMillan, a right-handed pitcher from Texas tech who probably would have been drafted around six through 10. His problem with Texas tech was his command and, and his control uh, but he was 96 to 100 in instructional league. I'm curious what the Royals player development, especially when it relates to pitching, will do with John McMillan. He's one I would definitely want to watch for next year. But again, it's all about player development with this organization. How will the contraction of the minor leagues hurt them? That's, that'll be an interesting story to watch in 2021. Absolutely. We will all keep an eye on it. And uh, again,
1: that's going to be true for all organizations, but there's no question. The Yankees are a club that's particularly true of. The Royals are another one. And I think that will definitely be one of the more interesting subplots of the 2021 season. Bill, thank you so much for joining us and providing your insight. We appreciate it as always. Thank you for having me, Kyle. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Bill Mitchell, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.